Lights, camera, action. Okay. Welcome. Hello, Mr. Hertzfeld. Mr. Keanu Reeves. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> ciao, ciao. What's uh, happening? Well, you know, we're we're gonna we're, we're gonna explore today with a little exploration. Um, I I I know d- bits and pieces along the way, but I always like to dive in and capture the the early moments of life. Okay, uh, going back to uh, your your actual birth in in Beirut, Lebanon. Well, well, we're doing biography. We're doing a little biography, but we're going to but we're going to jump around, man. We're going to jump All around. All right, let's go. But we're starting. So take me take me back to Beirut, September 1964. You're born and Right, and Beirut, Lebanon, yeah, the, let's the do Paris it. of the Middle East. Um, let's see my mother and father were like 22, 21-22. Um, my father was there. He had gotten I actually don't really know his stories. I think it's like he was in college and then left and then was in Beirut on the beach. Um, my mother, English, ran away from home. Uh, Paris, um, working, showgirl, but then also picking up pins and couture houses, getting into fashion where she, she would end up... Uh, becoming a fashion designer, clothing designer for uh, uh, musicians, um, Anne Murray, Dolly Parton. Uh, but anyway, so they met, they fell in love, then they had a baby. Uh, that was me. And then they stayed there for a few months, and then they ended up going to Australia. And there's a bunch of stuff in there, but that's the big picture. And then uh, we, we went to, then they split up. Uh, we went to New York. And then I ended up in Toronto. So it was Canada, it was Beirut, Sydney, New York, Toronto, and Sydney was only like like what six years or four years? Or? Oh, not even. Not I even. Think, yeah, I don't. I, my sister was born there. Um, yeah, so that might have been months or something. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and then and then you came to New York. And and your mom was uh, uh, involved with a, a, a some type of was it a producer or uh, there was a, a guy who was in the the theater there or not right so then she met someone and and uh, uh, this gentleman named Paul Aaron Paul uh, Aaron and they yeah. got married um, I think they were married for like six months or something like that and uh, yeah Paul was uh, directing. Broadway ended up uh, working in Hollywood, and you you kept some contact with Paul e- during and then yeah, after. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Your so life he was around for a few years, and then um, uh, and yeah, stayed in contact. And you know, it's kind of really part of my one of the other introductions into show business. Um, you know, I was a PA on one of his movie of the weeks um, when I was like fifteen. I wanted to become an actor from when I was. Probably around 15, I was like, I think I asked my mother, is it okay if I'm an actor? And she was like, whatever you want, darling. Um, so thanks for that, Ma. And then, um, yeah, so eventually then I started working, and, and then um, through Paul Aaron, um, got a green card, and then at 20, um, got in my car and drove to Hollywood. Right. And then and then from there, it was uh, a, a series of, of projects starting with which one was the the first one out was that uh uh in in when you got to when you got to Hollywood um yeah uh i think the first job i mean so was here for a while was it wasn't young blood was it in in 86 yeah so young blood young blood was the first 35 millimeter picture uh, and that was in toronto canada i was doing a play um with a fine actor and gentleman named carl Murat. Um, and he was having an audition for this American film. Uh, American movies were coming into Canada for, like, like even then, tax credit. Um, I played hockey. It was a hockey-related film. You played act. You played hockey at LaSalle College in Toronto, right? Not college. It was, um, was De LaSalle it? is a high school. A high school, okay. Yeah, I went there for one year. 
Um, you were a goalie, apparently. I was. I played net for, I was the senior goaltender, yeah. And your nickname was The Wall, is that correct? Um, yeah, sometimes <laughs> it was The Broken Wall, the, the uh, but uh, <laughs> I, had, I, had a, I had a pretty good run there for a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, after Young Blood, uh, so the first job I got in, in Los Angeles was a project called... Um, I don't know what it ended up being called. Wasn't River's Edge, was it? No, no it was, before it was a that. television film. Um, I got to work with Andy Griffith. I was playing his alcoholic son. But it wasn't it was... wasn't Wolf Boy in Toronto because that was before. Yeah, Wolf Boy was the play I was doing. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, and so um, yeah, it was exciting times because you know I, I got to Los Angeles and. Um, yeah, it was a great. I mean, working with Andy Griffith was amazing. Season, uh, season Hubley was, um, and you know, it was uh, yeah, it was my first gig. I made my first friend on the show, and you know, it was I had some great. I had a great, great scenes. You know, got to be the alcoholic son, go to the cemetery, winter, all the cotton balls making the snow with the, with the gun and the flask and. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And getting to, you know, pretend. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's in play. Yeah. Um, so. And you had a little ramp up before coming to Hollywood in prior to that in Toronto, but it was like there were a series of things that happened in Canada before you came to L.A., right? Like you did a little theater and you did a little television, National Film Board. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, apparently you worked. At yeah, the like CBC I was saying, I was really, point. I was yeah. really self motivated. So I was taking classes, doing some Uta Hagen, respect for acting. Um, you know, I really enjoyed the Shakespeare in high school. So I, I got involved with a, a Jewish community center that had a drama program uh, run by the remarkable Rose Dubin, and uh, I ended up playing Mercutio in a production of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. One of the other actors had an agent. Um, they asked if I had any representation. I said no. Um, and so that's really where the professional thing started. Uh, they were uh, my first job as a paid actor was a local television show called Hanging In. Hanging In, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I had I think I had one line, where's the bathroom or something like that. <laughs> Got to, you know, got introduced to the wardrobe racks. Like, okay, here are your choices. Find your wardrobe. And, um, and yeah, so, yeah, that was, that was a, a cool thing, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I think it was three camera. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, getting into the professional of it. I was doing, uh, ended up doing some um, improv work at Second City, um, right, because Second City is, is based in Toronto. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. yeah. So I did some, all those guys. Some of that uh, I I did a year at a performing arts high school. Uh, then they didn't let me back for the second year, um, and that's when I went and played hockey at De La Salle. Um, and that's where I did my first high school play. Was at Dell. Um, got to play John Proctor in the pr Crucible. Wow. It was cool. Open a night, seeing the fellas from the team in the front rows oh, coming I, out and oh, playing oh, John oh. Proctor because it is my name, because I can, <laughs> because I cannot have another. Um. And all your hockey team was there? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. really cool. Because there was a, you know, there was, you know, I guess and then I'm 17. Right. Um. Yeah, and I'd been doing commercials. I'd done a cornflakes commercial, did a Coca-Cola commercial, um, and that's you know. And then knowing that, I was that's where I learned like, okay, don't have an audition before eleven a.m. because <laughs> I'm just not gonna get it. I'm not a morning guy <laughs> yeah. anyway. Yeah, and uh, oh boy. We, yeah, and we, don't send me on an audition for a commercial <laughs> for something like if I didn't like the product, I wouldn't go on the audition. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. So, um, in in there was a guy called Erwin uh, Stoff. Yeah. So tell, Irwin, tell me, tell me Irwin about Stoff Irwin. Was um, uh, took uh, took me on as a manager. Um, he was connected to Paul Aaron's entertainment company in Los Angeles called Els Boy. It keeps falling. Yeah, we. I think we want to tighten this and. Well, it keeps sinking. It sinks. Yeah. Is that going to drop? Hopefully not. Um, so and yes, but so we're back to he was so he was connected to Paul. Okay. Yes. 
Okay, so Irwin stopped, and then he became sort of... Yeah, he was my manager. He was your manager so when he came to So I was LA. doing stuff in Toronto. Um, I, I was, Irwin was my manager, and then he, when I was making the move to, to Los Angeles, I met with, um, with a, a remarkable agent in person, Hildy Gottlieb, at ICM. And she's like, you seem like a good kid, but you know, you need to have a little more on your resume for me to represent you. And then I got a, a break with another American production that was filming in Toronto. And I ended up getting uh, one of the co-leads in that um, called Young Again. So then that allowed me to, I guess, have enough of a resume so that when I came over, Hilde Gottlieb represented me. And and this was this was now starting in Canada or already in L.A. by now. This is in this is in I Toronto. met her and then I had to. I was in Toronto, but then I did some more work in Toronto. I did that show, and then that kind of coincided with, okay, now I have a green card. Now you can come to to Los L.A. Angeles. Yeah, yeah. And you and you drove across country apparently in a 1969 Volvo. Yeah, yeah my yeah. first car. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. British Racing Green. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I had bought it from uh, a friend of my mother's and, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was, um, it was pretty beat up. There were holes in the floor. I think one of the seats was kind of supported by a brick. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, uh, good times Four speed. Yeah. And one of the windshield wipers it was it was dangerous it was a dangerous car <laughs> but it was fun it sounds that way to me when it got me to los angeles <laughs> yeah and then and then uh and then in 86 uh a uh, 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 river's edge happens now tell me about how that all came together uh yeah so that was uh auditioning yeah mm and a bit of a break at that time, or is that, or, or I think sort of, I mean yeah. I, f I really feel like everything is well, yeah. everything. There was a break. a break, yeah, exactly. You know, any any opportunity you get, you know, um, so absolutely, River's Edge uh, was a great role, and what an amazing script, Neil Jimenez and Tim Hunter, um, and then getting to work with the amazing Crispin Glover uh, was really cool to do that audition, and then you know to talk about the project with Crispin. He was living in Hollywood. Uh, yeah, and so then we went up north and started, we filmed that, and yeah, it was, and then it was pretty well critically received, um, and that certainly it was a um, big, helped. A, well, it big helped moment. To, Hildy was like, okay, now I can do something with you. <laughs> and did that, and did that, did that jump and lead to the first Bill and Ted in, in the late 80s, or where there was a lot of yeah, stuff in the yeah. middle? Yeah, well, another, another kind of, for me, a pivotal show, just in terms of being, mm -hmm. of working, was a, a film called night, The Night Before. I mm -hmm. uh, worked, uh, the director was Tom Eberhardt, and that was like a lead, lots of nights, like carrying a picture. Um, Lori Loughlin, got to work with her, and, you know, do some comedy, some drama, and it was... Uh, um, a really great experience just to 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 you know be there every day do all the hours you know um acting right and just what what it took and what it meant to you know to do that and then and then in 91 how did you collide with cuz you've got so many pieces to your life you've got acting motorcycling martial arts and music and you were playing in dog star in, is this starting already in, 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 in the early 90s, right? <clears throat> yeah, so um, after my, I stayed with my stepfather, then I did that uh, Adult Children's of Alcoholics, I think it was called, the working title. Uh, then I met the friend, and she had a friend who needed, who was looking for a roommate, so then I ended up moving in with her friend uh, as a roommate, and so... Um, but then I did some work and so then I was going to rent a house and so I ended up moving into Beechwood Canyon. Uh, it was a cool little pad and, uh, um, this is eventually going to connect to Dogstar. To Dogstar. the name of the band. So, yeah, no, I'm fascinated. So then I was also playing hockey in Los Angeles and then there was oh, this cool. guy in the local grocery store at the bottom of the hill and he was wearing a, I think it was a Detroit Red Wings shirt or something. 
And I was like, do you play hockey? He's like, yeah, you play hockey. And, it's cause, and then it was like, let's do a pickup game or whatever. Um, but anyway, he turned out to be a musician as well as an actor. And so we started a friendship. And then eventually um, he had a friend, um, Greg Miller. And then we started to jam at my house. And eventually, we, once you start writing songs, you go, well, then we should play live. And, and so began, began the, the Dog Star The Dog Star era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you played for you played for a while doing that. It was like, but that was you were doing it concurrent to everything else, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so it wasn't like a break away. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were a bar band, and but we wanted to, you know, have some life experiences. So we did a tour of the states. Um, we ended up touring the states four times. We went to Japan five times. Oh wow! Went to Europe once. Uh, um. But yeah, so I would be, sometimes I would do a film and then I'd come back and then we'd go on tour. Um, you know, I think even when I was doing The Matrix, uh, we, uh, they came to Australia and we, we did a couple of shows with Bon Jovi. Um, we were the first act of three, so we played in the daytime. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then uh, to a few folks, uh, they were really sweet people and they were nice to us and um, and that was fun. Yeah, so, yeah, working, playing in a band. And you, and you did, uh, uh, at that time, you, 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 went under, during the time that you were doing Matrix, that was, was that, did your fascination with, with martial arts and, and doing what you would ultimately become huge at, was that, had that started before or when, yeah, how no, did martial I have, arts I have, enter your life? I have no martial arts background. Mm -hmm. I think I had one Aikido class or something. So I don't, I only know movie Kung Fu. Um, so yeah, Matrix, uh, I mean really action, the first action was, was with Catherine Bigelow on Point Break. Point Break, yeah. So that's, that's the first time I got to do quote unquote an action movie. Right. Uh, and go through the training and work with LAPD SWAT, start working with the weapons, weapon manipulations, and f fake fights, which were a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, and then, then it was speed. Um, but yeah, and so with the Wachowskis on The Matrix, that was like, okay, so I love the project, love you, and then they were like, oh, and by the way, you have to train for four months. And I was like, cool, let's do that. <laughs> right. And so that's where I met Yuan Wu Ping, uh, who's a famous director and action choreographer director um, out of Hong Kong. And uh, and that stayed with you, right? Through all the other stuff, through the, your own project, Man of Tai Chi, through through John Wick or no? Or, or yeah, not? Uh, yeah, Wu Ping worked with me uh, graciously for um, Man of Tai Chi. Uh and it was cool having done three films with him and watched how he had directed. So just, you know, where do you put the camera in a fight scene and how do you get different stories? Um, but then working with the Wachowskis, uh, storytelling and action, connecting that really together. Um, character, like what's your character's journey in this? Um, uh, what else? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah going into John, so yeah, I mean, yeah, so the, the just the practical, like, okay, you're going to train for a film in terms of weapons or, you know, the fighting styles or fighting. Um, yeah, the tree is basically, yeah, um, point break, speed, matrix. Right. matrix, yeah. John Wick. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then so, but then the ability to pivot... And and go back now and and do a, a comedy like Bill and Ted's again and and also mix it up throughout your career like doing uh, a Devil's Advocate was not an action film per se right perfect movie love that yeah. film Taylor well, Hackford Al Pacino one, the best right yeah 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 I mean getting that phone call you know I was I think I was in Vancouver um, and uh, yeah Al Pacino's going to play the man I was like wow. So that was pretty extraordinary to get to meet that um, wonderful artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remarkable, wonderful, wonderful film. And then, and then you've got this stretch 
that happens in in the in the 2000s where uh, we got to meet a little bit more during Private Lives of Pippa Lee, Henry's Crime Generation. Um, you did Scanner Darkly with with Richard, um, and uh, and during that period, you were you were sort of throttling forward with. Was that under like sort of the company films umbrella, or was it, it was more with Lamore's company, or how did all of that come together? Because you were you were starting to veer into wanting to be in control of projects, right, or producing. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I was I've always been interested in different genres and wanted to like to your point earlier of just doing different kinds of films. Um, and a part of that was I had a friend Stephen Hamill who was getting into producing. Uh, really creative producing, developing stories and scripts. And so we started a company together called Company Films. Um, And one of the uh, first projects that, well, the first project that that we actually got made was Henry's Crime. Uh, And that was, you know, working with James Conn, Vera Farmiga. I love that movie. uh, We worked on that together. Malcolm Venville and Peter Stormare. Danny Hawk. So, uh, so, um, yeah, so there was the production company and then I guess to get to how you and I met, yeah. um, being quote unquote, the, a producer on Henry's crime, I wanted to know a little bit more about what happened in filmmaking outside of the set. <clears throat> so I had a, 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 you know, 20 some odd years in of like, being in front of the camera, grip, electric, you know, the the kind of the shape of what a film set looks like when all the trucks and how it all integrates. And but I didn't know post and I didn't and so I wanted to kind of learn about that. And that's why I asked to do the tour of Technicolor New York City. Yes. Because I want to know what the heck is going on here. Yeah, exactly. And what uh, what happens with all the silver recovery? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember yeah. you opening that door, and there was that big bucket, you know, of, of silver, and I was like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> what's going on here? It's like elves. We're gonna go through this process, and then there's gonna be magic, and then there's all the silver. Exactly. Um, and all these cinematographers." Who knew what was happening and you didn't get a chance to see what they were doing until the next day until yes. film was gone. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. what happened during Henry's crime was, I guess it's like 2009, um, going through that post experience and also learning about editorial, uh, you know, the mix, the music, uh, was I was working with the post supervisor on Henry's crime was Chris Keneally. And so when we were doing the color, and that's where the title Side by Side came from, and we're talking about the documentary that Chris and I ultimately put together I with Justin Slaza. It all worked together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there was the photochemical colorist, and then there was the digital colorist, and we shot on film. And the two of them speaking to each other in different, you know, color spaces, give me a point, half a point, CYMK, RGB, um, and then looking at literally the screen and seeing it split in half while they're kind of, the dog's chasing the tail and it's like... um, Digital capture and film side by side. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Yes, and then and working on the color and trying to adjust the look of the film. Yeah. the DP Paul Cameron and and while I was going through that process, you know, Paul coming in with a with a, a, a camera, a DSLR, and like going, look at this image I shot for a commercial, and I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, that's. I said, you shot it with that, and that's going to be in the commercial. He's like, yeah, and I was just like, what the heck is going on here? And then conversations with you, that's where what my in was with the with what turned out to be the last not the last but in the in the storytelling process of film the camera was the last piece you know the digital camera and and then you know going through this anyway so to keep it with you charlie no 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 no. so anyway so and that's when i and i was like i was speaking with chris keneally one night after working on the color and i was like 
you want to make a documentary? And he's like, about what? I go, it's the end of the film. This is a, it's a rap. And he's like, what? I'm like, it's, it's just, the guy just walked in with a camera, you know. Because I wasn't really aware. Like, I remember when Star Wars was coming out and, you know, the stories of Lucas filming on the Sony early video camera. And, yeah. And then it was a big deal when he was doing digital um, uh, projection and all of that. And But I didn't know the story of that digital editing. And, you know, I'd seen THX, you know, like, right? And so digital sound. And so I was kind of aware of that. But I didn't know what I came to learn and about what was happening. And so we started to do this document. We had this idea of the documentary. And I think Chris went to you and I went to you and I was like, what are we doing? And we, I think you were one of our first interviews. Yes. And, uh, and then also you said, if you want to really know what's going on here and if you want, go to Poland <laughs> and go to a film festival called Camera Image or Camera Image or go to Poland. <laughs> that was it. And we were like, go to Poland. And we went to Poland. That's right. bum-rushed cinematographers. Um, and it was cool because I had worked with a couple of them there, like Storaro and Michael Ballhaus. Yeah. And, and it was actually also there. And you helped connect us to yeah, that. to the event. To Kajik and Merrick. Um, and Merrick and... Um, and they really helped us out. Was, and, but that's where we started to also get our reputation because we had met so many people that when we started to say, like, couldn't we interview you? They were like, oh, you guys are doing, you're a part of that? Um, That's how the buzz began, right? In yeah, a sense, I don't know yeah. if it was quite buzz. buzz. But, but then while we were making the document, <laughs> it's just, it's so funny because every time you would, because then we got into the, what, what is going on here? Um, and that's, you know, that's where the whole of what are we losing, what are we gaining by this digital and and what are we leaving with the photochemical the transition and, what was happening creatively right yeah create sense of well, it, right? you know, it was work process it was create well it has creative in implications into right. the process but but the cinematographers are we're you know we're losing the blacks the contrast you know in the whole early days of that and you can speak yeah you know of course really um in depth about that uh but the passion for it. And then while we were making the documentary, Panavision stopped making film cameras and Aeroflex stopped making ca film cameras. Right, right. The inventory stopped be, could be increasing. They're, they were still there, but they stopped making new ones, exactly. They stopped yeah. making film cameras. Yeah, it's huge, huge. <laughs> they were like, it's a wrap, it's over. Um, <laughs> Thankfully, there's still people shooting film again. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, but... Anyway, it was like holding on. And um, and so for me, it was a really, I mean, to, to speak to all the filmmakers that I had a chance to sit down with and, and go through that process. Thank you for that. Yes. Because um, you were very instrumental in a lot of what we had a chance to do and, and yeah. the directions to go into. Um, and I think what's interesting too is, I, I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but after that, I mean, I mean, it, it was literally two years. Yeah, it was. Where it was from like 98% film to 98% digital. Yeah, it was just a, it was a two water, years? Oh, yeah, waterfall, exactly, two years, yeah. But then right after that, there was a huge shakeup in post. Yep. Right, yep. post film finishing, post color, post, and sound. Yeah. All of that post-world went through a series of transitions. And, and then and it's going through it again now with uh, the, the demand uh, for, uh, uh, for 4K broadcast and for sound with Atmos. Not just Atmos for theaters, Atmos for home, home Atmos. So, I mean, there's, uh, there's uh, uh, the, as I like to say, the, uh, the business in a sense needs to follow... Uh, the manufacturers, and then the manufacturers feed the consumers, and then the consumers then ultimately drive 
what will be the the new standard. So when when the consumer That's not true. Well, the consumers, the 4K, not not that they're driving it, but that there is that the manufacturers would wish. How's this? They would wish to be able to do that. That's what I mean. With 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 right. with what's happened with Netflix and Amazon, what's happened with 4K delivery, 4K sta- delivery, up-resing. even though it's not everywhere, it's like no, the idea there. But they're tracking use uh, uh, by consumers. That's so they're they're trying. Everyone to, wants to sell a new whistle. That's what I'm saying. They want to sell TV sets. Yeah, that's my point. That's 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 my only point. I'm not I'm not trying but, to but say. I mean, yeah. But it's not like, I mean, the Blu-ray system, right? It's not even the best, most efficient. Uh, spectrum to be putting uh, images on a DVD, right? There's a whole other spectrum that, what was it? It was like, it shouldn't be Blu-ray, it should be Yellow Ray. What am I talking about? I don't know the specifics of that. Right, but no, there no, is... no. There's, there's, uh, yeah, there are limitations to each of these things. Yeah, absolutely. And then now True. there's, now <laughs> <Charlie> there's... transitions. <laughs> now there, well, now there's the, the, of course, the HDR color space, which inhabits yeah. all resolutions, by the way. It's not right. a matter of, that. that's independent of 4K and HD. It's a color space that gives you more of the steps between uh, 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 what is paper-based white and maximum black and middle gray. So you get all the steps of detail in between. You see all the shadow and highlight detail. And as a result, it makes the home experience in HDR different than it was with the, the, the narrower version of, those, of that detail. So, right. so that's transitioning to... But really what's happening when you think about it is, and this is where we kind of come and we swing full circle, is, wait a second, going to movies is a social experience. Let's, 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 let's not forget. We go to theaters. We don't just sit at home. We don't just embellish the idea that we can make a home theater. We do want to embrace the idea that even though there may be the thing of day and date, there may be the possibility, even perhaps the demand or the mandate of that, uh, you know, these are some of the discussions that have sort of, I've been compelled to want to get into because I wonder um, when, how the cycles are going to turn, you know, because I, and I, I didn't really get, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to take over a bandstand with you sitting in the no, seat no, across from me. No, I'm more interested I, in speaking but, uh, about this than my yeah, biography. Yeah, but, but I, but I'm, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm fascinated by the idea, like when I talked in, in, in one of my, my, or the first show that I did about the idea that, that we went from the theatrical era to the theatrical era with a home video window to a brief loss of the independent film sort of marketplace when when there was uh, a desire to uh, only make large blockbusters for theatrical and then streaming came in and sort of filled that independent middle range budget gap that allowed more content to get made and then and then in a sense with that we we ran into this idea that it was cool to not have a mystique for theatrical and to say, okay, well, we'll put them both out at once. And, and now all of a sudden, I, I wonder in this debate, what's next? Are the streaming guys going to buy theaters? I don't know, but something's got to become social, I think, I hope, again. Yeah, so going through this film digitization and all of the elements that you're speaking about made the image transportable in a different way. So the other, the new piece that we're seeing in terms of, and which speaks to your, you know, social collective experience of a, of a film is digital streaming, right? So that new technology and the way that we're going to be able to stream anything everywhere. In the di- so that digitized image capture to now digitized image exhibition, you're getting Netflix, you're getting, everybody now is going, it's, it's, a, it's a whole new world, which is great, of story creation. Everyone, there's a and big- the, And the studios, Warner Media under yeah. AT&T. Hulu, Di- Hulu Quibi, Di- Disney which Golf. is going to be pure, just pure mobile, <laughs> you know, so now things are going to be dedicated, made for your- uh, portable communication interactive device. Um, 
And so where's the social? So yeah, so groups of people, you know, you gotta, you got things to do. You gotta go do some things sometimes. So go to the movies. That's it. Exactly right. And 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 that cuts to the idea of the large film, the John Wick three pair. You know, and and your the oh, wait. The if we're gonna talk big films, then we need to talk about Avengers. Avengers game. Okay, Avengers and, Endgame. And, okay, and you know, James Cameron's out there. You know, making Avatar for a billion dollars. Right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Love there. Cameron. That's awesome. There you go. Um, you know, and talk about being in a digitized space. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, but but so the, but so your point is like what? So the, now there's the big movies, the big film experience. So, yeah, but well, the smaller theatrical experience, the well, I mean, let's let's take we, we could even go into the list of things. A film that I love personally, your film, Henry's Crime. I adore that film. That film um, uh, was finished before. Uh, the world was completely taken over by oh, streaming. I absolutely. Mean, right? Yes. I mean, I remember sitting in the theater with you and, and, and everyone, you know, having that, that the, they have the puzzle moment of how this, how this is going to get to the public. Is it going to be uh, a, a small theatrical release and a large sort of bit of a marquee value home video release? Cause that still existed. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden, and, and I, and I, so I, I guess I wonder like, is, is the streaming era because of its ability to to in a sense through the volume of what it is and the subscription model that it is does it ultimately allow for a global uh, uh, financing in the end of not just home viewing but but maybe there's a swing back at some point and there's and there's ability for for these uh, this volume of content that's getting made to to have a, a social context of some some kind besides just people staring at their iPhones or their devices, yeah. You know, or is or is that the new social? You know, it's like it all becomes right. Am I making any sense? Or yeah, my yeah, Or yeah, am I yeah. sounding crazy, Keanu? No, I remember when I was talking to the Wachowskis for Side by Side, and I was pitching that you know the special experience, the social of going to the theater and the collective and being together and laughing together and crying together and hearing each other. And uh, at the time, uh, Andy, now Lily Wachowski, was like, and sweating together, and stinky, and like, and like, okay. you know, like, it was like, but, and they were proposing that the uh, the new construct was to be visiting each other socially, but in a, in a off-site, off-line experience, that so we'd be talking to each other, but not necessarily in the same room, but we're communicating, right? through our devices or through... Um... And there's also, I guess, on some level when we think about it, because there's a volume of viewers for specific things that stream, there's there's the water cooler dialogue, right? There's the people gathering after they've been something and talking about how great it is. So there Game is... Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, the perfect example, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like... yeah. Yeah, you must go home and see that. Yeah, it's because it becomes re- I mean, it becomes required reading, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You you have to you have to watch it to be in the I guess to be in the conversation. Isn't that the idea? And then yeah, and also it's yeah. it's not so cheap to go to a movie. That's right. There you go. So there's that as well. Big deal, right? Because subscriptions are like Netflix. What ten bucks a month, and you get to watch all this unlimited content, including yeah. movies. I'm going to go to the movies for fifteen dollars and. Get some popcorn and a Coca Cola. I'm at fifty. What the heck's going? And parking yeah. and then. Yeah, your night becomes awfully and then you're expensive. Not, if you got kids, you want to go see that Toy Story movie. Yeah, it's, baby. It's it's hundred bucks. Yeah, hundred fifty yeah. bucks. Yeah, rather than uh, putting it up on your flat screen at home for the family in the home theater and bring right. your friends over. Exactly. But you still need things to do sometimes. You do. And like you know, let's go to the movies. Let's go. To the movies exactly right. right exactly right um apropos of, of of other things in life i'm absolutely transfixed wait wait with, wait, wait yeah so what let's keep going keep riff, going riff keep me, going riff to me about red okay well you know um uh, uh was uh, uh founded by the guy who who uh, created the uh, uh the oakley uh, sunglasses. Um, I, I mean, it's uh, 
you know, it's a... Because you uh, saw that early days. I saw the early days, and, and there was a lot of... There was a, a lot of complexity. Because that was going, going to be a disruptive... It was a disruptor. It was a disruptor because we dealt with, we dealt with firmware changes and, and, and color space uh, management changes in the early era of the, of the Red One. And uh, also light sensitivity issues and shooting with the Red was not... It was not what it would become. Um, so, you know, there was the old guard that were the airy folks... And, uh, and, and they felt that there was uh, a certain desire to kind of hold on to the, the, the people that were behind the optics and the science of the camera uh, that understood uh, a, a visual capture, picture capture from a photographic standpoint that, that honored film. And, and, and I feel that Ari... Ari held that in albeit somewhat of a you know more conservative company and uh and and red came in kind of balls out and 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 just uh, uh created this super high resolution capture capacity and then started to ultimately uh introduce the idea of greater line sensitivity even though the other competing cameras were it, it, ahead of that um uh but you know the the digital capture world uh, uh, then uh, uh, sort of exploded and uh, and is and and then once again we go back to the manufacturers uh, uh, driving consumption. Uh, you know, go to Best Buy buy a 4K TV for 250 bucks. Everybody's going to watch in 4K. So it's like all right. of a sudden the world changes, and and you and I think you know. For the the cinematographers who want to see uh, controls in each step of the game, they want to see it for the consumer. They want to see it for each other as a community. Uh, Red was definitely a disruptor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what was the thing that? Because I remember there was when I was in it around 2012, 14. There's this idea of standardizing the color space. Yes, that's Aces and the Academy Standard. Has, uh, did and that they, happen? That's happened. Yes, it happened. Well, it has happened to the extent that EXR is a file format that that was embraced by the uh, the Academy of Arts and Sciences and, and how television. Does, yeah, and so how does Red? Because I know they had a proprietary kind of color. Well, everybody. But then, uh, does it all fold into that? Is has, it that the intersection? Well, the is inter that the marketplace, the exchange well, of defining the weights and measures of color. Well, well no, <laughs> I, I would go a little. I would go another direction from that. I'd say that in the camera world. You're you're working with with raw, and uh, and and the the hope is is that raw uh, uh, is is full dynamic range for all cameras. Uh, EXR uh, as a file format and Aces as a color standard was the idea really more for uh, was really more of a post production idea to create a standard just like there would be audio standards that we have in Dolby Audio and Stereo Audio. So it gives you, but, but I think that the, the real concept was from the Academy, from my standpoint, was like, hey, we're going to, we're losing, we're losing film. That was pretty, pretty bread and butter. We had, we had a Foot Lambert brightness standard and, uh, and then we have exposure standards uh, for the, for the negative itself and, it, and you get what's on there. You know, so the the idea behind this open ended possibility, they wanted to, you know, provide some some guidance for luminance and, and color spectrum and contrast and and to give the audience the experience that cinematographers would want to give everything that they can capture in the image and not. Uh, for lack of a better word, dumb it down, but leave it leave it open in capture, and then provide presentation standards so that theater to theater, you could pretty much say, yeah, we're good. We can show this in the digital cinema standard. We can color correct following this these uh, these bit bit rate standards, right? Because it used to be what was it? Ten bit was the old DPX standard, and mm -hmm. then then that went up for EXR. You know, so that's the whole idea was like that they were improving, but also respecting uh, uh, the the uh, the art. 
I think is the idea. And having the color scientists like Josh Pines and Joachim Zelody film and all these guys kind of come together to, uh, to talk about that and to become guides for what would ultimately be otherwise the Wild West, right? And yeah. so that happened. That's happening and continues. Happening. It continues to happen. Yeah, because it's it's an ongoing dialogue. Open because the standards are going to. It's not that they're going to constantly change, but as technology changes and it, it right. expands, right? So, so the idea is that it's it's a, that that there is uh, an, a a a group that that monitors what is happening in the right. world for presentation. It's sort of like the DCI standard, digital cinema, or Dolby Vision, or HDR color space for for uh, uh, for monitors. It's like these things were all put together. Uh, I mean, certainly HDR was created from my, from my standpoint for aesthetic value. I mean, it gives you something that you don't otherwise get in what is a, a, a much narrower range, more plastic looking image mm. on an HD flat screen when you don't get all of that that shadow and highlight detail, the opened up. Yeah. And yeah. so where do you... Now I'm getting interviewed. I love this. Where do you see... <laughs> so what So what do you see coming down the road? So if the 4K standard, what would be... What's next well, after I mean, that? The problem, the, is, the problem is, is, is that resolutions get crazy, right? So we talk about... When it's it's the same thing. When we're talking about theatrical standard, theatrical delivery, and 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 home delivery, uh, and manufacturers um, uh, uh, making something, right? So a 4K TV is a manufactured product. Uh, resolutions become new standards, and it's an increase in in technological capability. The idea of high resolution files um, was not necessarily in the imagination of those that were producing before they came to be. Right. I mean, they imagined that it would be possible, but I remember in the early days of 4K, I mean, I'm sure you were in enough sessions to watch things process slowly through the computer processing oh, yeah, power, right? Sure. And watching things stutter, right? Oh, and then it went to real time. Yeah. And real time rendering real-time playback from from a color decision that was made yeah when you i'm sure if you were sitting in on any of the di's of the big films that you've done or watched any of the color you'd see the stuff rocketing through by at one time that was not possible yeah. right right so, so that's, then like, that's the delivery pipeline right so all of that all of those bits all of those ones and zeros have to fit into these pipes to get to your house i mean like isn't that going to be a huge other data load like with that with the resolution comes ones well, and with, zeros, well, right? With, well, so, with, with streaming, you're you're not uh, downloading. Right, but it you're still has to back. get there. It still has to get there, yeah. And I think that the big issue now uh, is, uh, and I, I work with a, with a cloud company that is trying to do sort of, and as, and as we know with Netflix, right, Netflix, Netflix distribution hub is in the Amazon cloud. I mean that's right. that's that's how we get that's how we get what we get from them. It's a it's a completely web based uh, uh, cloud based system, right? Right. So when you think about it, what what do we hunger for in our world? And I would say it would be bandwidth being available everywhere, right? Is bandwidth available everywhere? No, not everywhere equivalently, and even block block to block in cities. What's provided, I mean, we have people who are getting a 1,000 megabits uh, per second up and down in their homes or in their buildings and facilities, but we still have low bandwidth in a lot of places where you're not getting the, uh, the bandwidth speed to, uh, to deliver a real-time playback, certainly of a 4K image, you know, right? right? And uh, so there's, uh, and they've got to come up with clever ways to make that work, which I think- The cheats, the- there, yeah. And there are cheats- Algorithmic. With, with the technology itself, but you're absolutely right. I mean, we're, we're we- So is that AT&T? I mean, so then all of well, these- it's, it's, all the, it's all the players. You have AT&T, you have Verizon. Comcast. You have Comcast, you have a- spectrum, But they're competing with each other as well, right? In, in all kinds of ways. I mean, AT&T owns Warner Brothers. Comcast, I believe, still owns NBC and Universal. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you have, uh, and so yeah. The the then the business becomes. It was funny when I was talking with 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 Mike Tadros the other day about uh, about his, the last Warner Brothers picture. He says, and I and I and I refer to it as Warner Brothers Pictures. He says, Oh no, Charlie, it's not Warner Brothers Pictures, it's Warner Media now. 
And I'm like, and I'm like, okay. He says, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. It's AT and T. It's like it's not just. It's not just the studio, right. right? So there are the the parents. I mean, if we look at it that way, which I guess we have to, right? Are are the uh, the 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 top of that food chain, I guess, right? Because they are. Well, part, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it, that's what it is, right? The yeah. kitchen. You know, you can bring all these chefs in and make all of these things, but. Exactly right. But so then they have to get out there. Exactly. Yeah. And then as we think about that, we think about home bandwidth, but then when we think then we think about bandwidth outdoors. Just think now, right? I mean, I don't know, I'm sure at home you probably have Verizon Files or whatever, you know, high high megabit, uh, high speed connection. But a company like uh, Spectrum, who are at the Time Warner Group, they offer uh, public hotspots, and there have always been public hotspots. I mean, I can go and sit in Union Square Park in New York and technically find uh, an internet signal different than what I get from my phone provider uh, with greater speeds, let's say. You know, right. but the idea is to grow a network where we're not just pulling speeds from coax cables into a, into a modem. Ultimately, we, I think that the idea is to create these networks of, of mobile speed, right? And that's not happened yet either. So yes, we are in a Has transition. it happened anywhere? Has it happened in South Korea yet? Is it in that I'm, Malay? I, 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 wish I, I, wish other... I, I wish I wish I had that, no, that, that know-how and that I'm not, I'm not as hip to. But that, that to me... So is it's a, not a web anymore. It's an environment. It's an environment, and it's a, <laughs> and it, but it's a global challenge because I remember I was working on a film with Lasse Hallstrom and Lasse was going to go home to, to Sweden. I think it was Nutcracker early on, and we were putting together something, some cloud thing for him, and it didn't pan out. But I remember the issue was he was going to go to his country home somewhere in Sweden for like a period of time in the summer where there was no bandwidth. Right. And it's like all of a sudden it's like... I have to fix this. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's like you realize that that the world has not become equivalent in that sense, in, in any sense, in terms of what that is and how right. that channels. And then there are also border, border issues, <clears throat> even border issues, and for that matter, with the way that content travels between parts of the world, as you know, made, made man from Tai Chi in China, you work with CFG, they have blocking and standards and 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 certain controls that sure. that uh, that prevent uh, east and west from uh, uh, having a handshake right so so it's like then there's all of that too but at the end of the day that is a global network and uh, and the one thing that I will I think we all tip our hats to in a sense with what Netflix is doing is they're going to create local content which is great right yeah. i mean like they're yeah. like now i mean i grew up in brussels belgium as a kid and uh we watched american tv either in with subtitles in flemish or dubbed in french and now all of a sudden there's going to be an arm of these uh giants making local content for yeah. the people who live in that country no matter how small that is that's awesome cool. right that's yeah. so that becomes the new world for creative content that we didn't have before. Yeah. So all of the things that I bang my fist against the table about the social experience of the movie theater because I'm an old-fashioned movie theater kind of guy. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, actually, the world does open up in a way in the streaming world, and we do get a social experience, and we do get an international and a global experience that we, I think, to a great extent, had always longed for but didn't have a way to make <clears throat> happen, right? Um, I'm interested in what happened with, uh, well, I don't know if you want to talk about, yeah. what about VR, yeah. AR? Well, VR, VR and AR are, 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 technologies that, I mean, how do you feel about VR? For me, what VR is about, it, it to me, it's about, it's about, uh, 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 being able to show something to someone in, 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 as an experience. So if I wanted to sell my home, if I owned a home in the south of France and I have a friend that's got a lot of dough that lives in the U.S. that wants to see it and doesn't want to fly over to look at it beforehand, I would give him a VR tour of the inside of the home. That right. to me makes tremendous sense. VR is entertainment. I, I haven't wrapped my head around it yet. I know it's there. I know it's happening. What and do you so feel with, about it? But with the uh, VR, have, have you spoken to anybody with the 
VR cameras or how's the technology? What's the word on the street on the technology for it, image it, it, acquisition? It, 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 it's, and... it's, it's working. I mean, you get, you have all of the, the multiple positions and you uh -huh. have, and you have the 360 degree experience and, and, uh, and you get to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to give the person the environmental experience that it's supposed to give you with the goggles. I mean, I think that that, I think it works. I mean, but what is there a your... different, is there a different post? Um, path for, for VR at all, or is it using um, legacy pipelines? I have not done any VR posts, my man, so I, I don't know, but I would guess But that, you're talking to the cats who do. Yeah, I, I, th there, is, there, is a, there is a pipeline to color correct uh, and, and work with the image that I think works with common file formats and, and pipelines, but I'm not, I'm not quite as familiar with that. I know that with, I've have, I mean, my, our, our mutual friend, Tim Stippen, who's still a colorist today has uh, recently been color correcting, uh, stuff for 3d versions of two of, of things that we released in 2d that clearly involves using, uh, right. uh the glasses and all that. So that, but it's still, it's still common file formats. Right. So because because there was a 2D version. Right. right. So they have right. that. Right. Right, 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 right. Wondering what that's going to be. So there is a whole new frontier of storytelling and experiencing a story that's beyond let's go to the movies. And now maybe that communal experience in the VR space will be isolated but together. True. We can all look at that home. True. True. True, true. And we could all have our avatars or we could be in that space. We could meet in that space. Well, I, I would then I would then jump from there to games like my my you know, son who's now twenty one, but at at the time would be playing like that are out now like Red Dead Redemption, mm -hmm. you know, which have release dates like movies. Right. And yeah. and and these games even here where we are at Formosa Group, I mean, I think they work on game sound. It's become part of the, the, the entertainment business. And it is a social experience because I believe, although I've not been in that gaming world, people uh, uh, have a certain amount of dialing collaboration in groups and people. And I think that they, they kill each other, right, in some of these <laughs> things, right? They shoot at each other, I believe. I have not played them, so I don't know. But right. uh, yeah, but that's the, I mean, the idea is that there is, uh, 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 there is a, a world where uh, that is a, a multi-home entertainment thing and a group thing where people play yeah. together, right? Yeah. 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 Which is, uh, yeah, then they'll do the whatever, they'll do. But, uh, but yeah. I think the quest, you were saying, what drives the marketplace or what drives, you know, the consumer, you know, you were doing your, your kind of, uh, your, uh, um, your web or ecology model of the consumer, yeah. the manufacturers. Yeah. Of, yeah. But then there's also the desire of the eyeball. Like the eyeball is having a really good run right now. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? In terms of like, it wants to see things. It's the, it's the way in is being kind of, um, that, that wanting to have that VR experience, right? There was that moment where 3D, they tried to push 3D right. onto people. And there were issues with it. And the with, consumer were, were just like, eh. And there were issues with it because people were getting sick, you know, for watching. <laughs> right. No, I mean, it was for real, though. Like, actually right. getting stomach illness. Yeah. Yeah. From, from the viewing experience. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I never got into it, so I just... Yeah. Yeah. But I know that but there then, were, yeah. And so the technology, the, the VR... It's going to, I mean, I think it's, uh, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen. Well, if you look at what the experience is like going into any of your series on the John Wick film, I mean, that experience is very uh, dimensional and action-y, right? So, yeah, there's, I can see that connecting to that world. Yeah. Oh, go VR, <laughs> VR yeah, Wick? Yeah, yeah, VR Wick. Come on, man. <laughs> Will be the goggles. You will be. will 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 be well, able. I think the to, game we'll is to, already doing that, right? It's they have a game where you put the goggles on and you can go through a. Yeah, and then we're like looking through screen. your eyes. I, right. you know, I am, I am Keanu. I have a gun in my hand, and I am First John. Person. I am John Wick. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Could happen. Yeah. I mean, all these things are happening. I mean, there is. A, there's. You're saying there is a game for. Yeah. For John. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So there is. They have that. Yeah. 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 So that that whole world is uh, is. Uh, 
in a sense, I mean, many people are talking about games as the new box office, right? So there's like, mm. because there's, uh, but they're not said they're not together because they can't be together, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also there's like the, the VR aspect of uh, therapy, right? Being able to go through a psychological therapeutic process. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's an application for VR. And another application for VR, from what I understand, is in the hospitals. They use it for surgery. Oh, really? Yes. Yes, in education. I believe. This is what I've been told. I mean, I've not gone to medical school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I on. am a patient. <laughs> but, I have, but I have a patient. <laughs> but I have a patient. I can't wait, though, until someone puts patients. the VR goggles on. <laughs> Put them on. Hurry up. Hurry up. Get me out of here. I'm going to go, go visit that guy's house. And also, Can I stay at that house? Well, also, in your, in your like, you own... Wait, our, it's virtual. I, um, our, I can't. I can't. <laughs> ah. There's nothing there. Wait, there's an apple on the table now, but uh, I can't. <laughs> Talk about I, an empty calorie. Exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 I'm not getting anything. Yeah, Wait a second. Wait. <laughs> I can't touch it. I can't I, smell it. I can't it looks feel real, it. But, uh, <laughs> I know. It's just like yummy, 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 yummy. Um, arch motorcycles. Arch motorcycles. Come on, man. Get me tape. Get me on the road. You you ride like frequently, clearly, right? And yeah, it's my yeah. mode of transportation yeah. living in Los Angeles. But you also ride rec- recreationally and spiritually and all of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love motorcycles. Love riding. And, um, and, and, it's your, and it's what you use on a, on a day-to-day basis to get around. But you also, uh, it's sort of like be, been a, a, a portion of, a, of, your, of your, your, sort of your life to, to kind of get away from the world for a bit as well, right? Um, yeah, once in a while, I mean, it's a good place to think or not think and to feel and reflect, um, pay attention to the road. And, uh, so there's certainly that quality to it. Um, yeah, I mean, starting with Arch Motorcycle, it was just, it's a, I don't know, it's another version of creating something, right? Right. It's another kind of story. Right. And then making it, yeah. And you decided to do it. To, to design a, a motorcycle that would be different than than what's out in the marketplace, right? Yeah, yeah. So the distinction for an arch motorcycle is, you know, we call it a performance cruiser. So it's the components that are on it, the way that we manufacture the bike, the balance of the motorcycle. Traditionally, long wheelbase motorcycles don't handle that well. Um, ours does. Right. And it's, so it's a bespoke production motorcycle. So it, I think of it as like... It's a production motorcycle, which means it has all the reliability of a manufacturer and all of that. But, um, you know, we customize it to each client. So, you know, it fits you like a suit, you know, and no one will have your motorcycle. Oh, wow. Okay, 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 okay. So, so you can I... pick the colors and you, we, we fit it to you all of a hand and foot controls, the custom seat. So it's... Oh, so um, you, you really customize the design for the, the body of the person who's going to get on it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, wow. and how they, yeah, how they want to ride. Wa- okay, I got it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And you're and you're you and you make them here and you're starting to make them in Europe as well or what? Yeah. Uh, we manufacture them in Hawthorne, California. And uh we have a distributor in in uh um Switzerland and we have a distributor relationship in England right now. Cool. But we have owners in Russia, Malaysia, you know, the States, um, Australia. Yeah. Wow. And, and tell me about this thing that I, 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 I was, my eyes popped out of my head when I saw it. Keanu Khan in, in, uh, in Scotland, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, it got some, I don't know how they did it, but that, yeah, it was a couple of people got together and watched some Reeves movies and it became like. Like a I like a it, festival dedicated to you. I don't. I don't. I don't. I think we could, a festival. I think let's not get carried call, away. It would I, be a series of screenings in a city I think in a Scotland. A couple of people got together and then posted that they were doing this, and then I think um, in Glasgow that became something for people for some reason to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool, though. But there's some good movies in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 uh, and they, and they apparently, uh, 
uh, we're going to hold it around your birthday in September. And then they pulled, pushed it to April, and they've oh, had they? one. They've had one apparently oh, in okay. Glasgow. Yeah. Well, thanks. Hope <laughs> you enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> and you're about to go off and do Bill and Ted's in uh, in, in, New, in Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell Another me, tell tax me more. credit situation. I'm like, why can't we? Anyway, <laughs> show business. Yeah, show business. That's why we're shooting in. New Orleans. Um, yeah, there's a great script, and uh, uh, we've been trying to get it made for over seven years now. And uh, it looks like it's going to happen. Knock on wood, fingers crossed. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how much break time do you like to give yourself at this point? You seem to be constantly working. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at work. I'm not so good at life. But, uh, yeah, I try to, you know, I've got more experience with it now, so I, I, I kind of know a little bit more of um, trying to take a break and kind of recharge. and Take time off. I haven't done it in the past, but I, I'm, I'm talking about it, so it's the first step. <laughs> I haven't actually done it, but. You haven't taken a break? No, 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 no. no, no. Really. <laughs> working on working. Working on working. When I'm not working, I'm working on working. I love it. I love it. Well, at least I guess on this one, you don't have to go into martial arts training. There's no, uh, there are no crazy. Uh, I love doing martial like, arts yeah. training. Movie Which, martial arts. Movie training. martial arts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this one's got a lot. Of, we meet a bunch of our future us's, so there's a lot of. Um, appliances appliance makeups and stuff so it's going to be physical in that way it'll be physical in that way yeah yeah, yeah. and and it's going to sort of uh uh it revisit the these same characters that at now yeah, you're, 30 now years later 30 years later exactly yeah it's going to be weird hopefully it's funny i, I how could i mean it just sounds fantastic i don't know yeah. we'll see <laughs> we'll see i don't know hopefully well, you know, I think we uh, we we definitely um, we ran around the technology world and the film world and yeah. the acting world and the music world and uh, mm. motorcycles and all kinds of stuff and uh, lovely. Um, so, thank I, you, Charlie. I, I cannot thank you enough. Sure, not at all. This was really wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much.